Welcome, my friends, to the Moon Jockeys Podcast, <laughs> an in-depth discussion of Star Wars themes, characters, and storylines. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome to another episode of Moon Jockeys Podcast. My name is Brian, your host. I'm excited to welcome my new guest, the other half of Sky Talkers Podcast. How are you doing tonight, Caitlin? I am doing great, Brian. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited. I know we we actually planned to talk a couple weeks ago, but my schedule got all messed up and you were gracious enough to postpone this episode for a little bit. So thank you. I'm, I'm really excited to be here tonight. I'm excited to talk to you about this topic because I know how much you love Luke and I totally understand how life uh, can throw you wrenches. So rescheduling <laughs> is no biggie at all. I appreciate you taking time to talk to me. Can you start by telling us a little bit about what sparked your love for Luke Skywalker? Yes, it's a, it's a bit of a cliche moment, but it's totally the binary side moment of um, A New Hope. I related to that moment so much. Um, if you, so I saw Star Wars in chronological order when I was 13 years old. So episode one, two, three, and then four. And uh, I remember getting to four and and thinking that I was not going to like these movies at all because they were um, made in the 70s and 80s and they didn't have the same kind of technology. And I was just convinced that I wasn't going to like them um, because they were going to look so much different than the prequel trilogy. And uh, when I saw Luke look into that sunset and you could just feel everything that he was feeling in that moment, it completely sold me. And I was completely hooked on Luke Skywalker. It really was that moment. And it feels like such a cliche, but... You know, it's the truth. <laughs> oh, I totally relate. I, I love that moment. I think that that moment is probably why Star Wars is so popular because so many people connected with him in that moment. And mm -hmm. the question is, is what was he feeling in that moment? And we're going to get into that, I think, a little bit later tonight. So I'm excited for that. Let's go ahead and start uh, our discussion with talking about Luke in the original trilogy. What characteristics of Luke do you think made him like a universal character and any man kind of uh, person that the audience could relate to um, in A New Hope? Yeah, well, I think that's um, that like kind of like what you said earlier, that's why part of how Star Wars became so successful is because of Luke Skywalker. And you, I think we've heard it said a lot from a lot of different people that like everyone wanted to be Han Solo, but we were all kind of Luke Skywalker, you know, we're the kid um, in the small hometown just waiting for some adventure to happen to us. And it's it's so great that Luke kind of he's what we all want to be we all want to be the the hero of our own story and the idea that you know some mythical figure like Obi-Wan Kenobi could just appear and whisk you off to this on this adventure was really exciting and 
I don't know that that's what I've always loved about him. And he just represents such goodness and faith in his family and friends throughout the original trilogy. And you always know that Luke is going to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool. Even in that moment in Return of the Jedi. And, and now I don't know what people thought when they actually saw Return of the Jedi in 1983. But I know when I saw it, I never had any doubt that Luke would be on the light side. Really? Um, yeah, no. And, and maybe it's because I knew how the story ended before I came into Star Wars, really. Um, but you just... I don't know. It's like he's so consistent with his goodness. Now, obviously, things change once we get into the sequel trilogy, but he's got that naivete and that innocence in the original trilogy. But you really see him grow and mature and become like this this better version of himself in Return of the Jedi than what we see in A New Hope. He just he has such a fantastic arc throughout the original trilogy and then continued into the sequel trilogy. It's just for me, he just represents I don't know. He represents Star Wars and he represents like goodness. And there's just something really compelling about that. Definitely. He wants to be something significant and he wants to be a good person. He wants to matter. Um, Yeah. I think it's kind of his age in life where I think most people when they're in their young adult ages that they really contemplate where do they get their significance and um, what is their life supposed to mean? Like, there's a kind of universal questions that people consider in their young adult years. I know when I was like 25, that was kind of a turning point of what is m- most important to me and where should I spend most of my time? Um, and I think that he also doesn't feel like he fits in. He's being raised by his aunt and his uncle. Um, and he doesn't seem to have a ton of friends and the deleted scene when he goes to hang out with his friends, his friends are sort of calling him names like nicknames, like wormy. Um, Mm -hmm. And so he's a little bit of an oddball. So I think that he's still missing that belonging that all of us kind of need. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, and he's, you know, it's hard because the, the sense you get from Owen and Baru and more so Owen and, you know, granted, we have very limited time with them in A New Hope, mm-hmm. but it's like they don't really talk that much about Luke's family, about his father, and it, they don't even mention his mother. Oh, yeah. And so you, it's just allowing Luke to have kind of grown up and, and spun these tales about who his family was, who his father was, to extraordinary heights. You know, he, he made his own father this mythical figure in his head because he didn't have anything to go on from Owen and Baru. And Owen and Baru probably didn't have much to go on either um, and didn't want to tell the whole truth to Luke because that would be dangerous in their head. And so, and, and then you also have like this kind of cosmic destiny kind of thing going on with Luke that he's on Tatooine and that's where his father was, but neither one of them really belonged there. And they're just kind of waiting for that moment to leave um, because it's it's their destiny. Speaking of destiny, what do you think Luke is feeling in that binary sunset when we have the beautiful John Williams score? Yeah, it's uh, it, it gets me every time. I think it's all about like that potential that there is in that moment of, you know, something is coming, something's on the horizon, and Luke doesn't know it in that moment, but we, the audience, do. Even the first time you're watching Star Wars, it's like you know that something is coming. 
um, that this is the beginning. This is like the tipping point. And you know that Luke is feeling just so like this, this couldn't be all that my life is destined for, you know, Mm -hmm. like just moisture farming on Tatooine, like my uncle Owen, when my father was a pilot in the rebellion or in the Republic, you know, like, you know, that he's thinking all of those things and we know that he is destined for more. And so I love that like intersection of feelings in that moment of like, and we've, I think we've all been there. It's like, like you said, like when you're a young adult, I'm there now. Um, like when you're 25 or 18 and going on to this next big chapter in life and it's like, what's coming? Like you feel it in the air that like, it's time for things to change, but you don't know what that change is going to bring. Right. Like it's, it's almost like hopeful, pardon the cliche, but there's hope that he can be his own person and that he will find the purpose soon. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. So it's it's pretty cool. What do you think it took for Luke to try to find the good in a villain like Darth Vader? Ooh, this is a hard one, and I think it just goes back to like Luke's innate goodness and his faith and compassion for his family and friends and. I think maybe too, again, like kind of going back to Luke's childhood, like he has built up this idea of who his father was and the idea that that's not who he is in real life um, had to be like so crushing. And we see that in Empire Strikes Back, but almost immediately Luke is not deterred by that. And I think it's just, I don't know. I just think it's such a testament to his character that you know, the unreachable to him is not unreachable, that like love and forgiveness is enough to save him. And for Luke, it not to say it didn't matter what Vader had done in his past, but for him, he loved him even in spite of all of those things and wanted him to come back to the light side, Um, probably in part because of everything he was learning or kind of learning from Obi-Wan and Yoda and Empire Strikes Back. But I think I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that they were family. Mm. Um, I, you know, I always kind of toy with the idea of if Vader wasn't Luke's father, would he have been that, you know, intent on, on trying to bring him back to the light side? Because before he knew he was his father, he was just going to kill him. You know, that was, that was his intent. But once he found out that there was a connection there, suddenly the tables have turned. Um, and so I think it, a big part of it does have to do with family and that the familial love is incredibly strong and is meant to be in this like very um, dramatic galactic opera setting that we're in. Oh uh, Yeah, absolutely. You said something that really resonated with me and thinking that Luke had to have a lot of faith um, to believe that despite Vader's actions, that there was still something invader that was redeemable um Mm -hmm. in a value and worth redeeming and worth the sacrifice it would take uh to to bring him back to the light i grew up in a childhood where my dad uh suffered from ptsd uh from Mm -hmm. the vietnam war and so he basically was very violent and abusive to my mom and my older sister um and both verbally and physically. And it got to a point where my parents obviously got a divorce when I was eight. But um, growing up, 
because we watch so much sci-fi, I always kind of vision my dad as Darth Vader because he wanted to rule Mm -hmm. out of fear. Um, Yeah. He just, uh, he really, uh, he obviously wasn't very loving and um, caring, typically. So when Luke actually believed that Vader could be turned back to the light, I think that that like really, really challenged me as a kid, um, especially as a little baby Christian or whatever. Um, to find a way to, um, have hope that my dad could at one point be redeemed and be like a good person again. Um, it doesn't always happen in real life. Uh, like it does in movies, obviously. Um, he, he, he didn't really become the person I wanted him to be. But we were able to have some connections in my teenage years after um, just processing some stuff. Wow. Then when I became an adult, things got way worse again. And at at this point, I don't see him much in my life. Um, I've kind of cut him out because it it just makes my life so negative, if you Mm -hmm. understand what I'm saying. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think you brought up, like, I mean, it's so interesting, like, that I can't imagine that kind of impact of being, you know, so young like you were when all of that was going on around you and having those kinds of feelings about your family and then seeing someone like Luke um, being in, you know, to you, like a comparable situation and him having love for his father to encouraging you to give your father that same kind of opportunity. Um, I think that's amazing. But like you said, you know, life doesn't always work out the same way as movies. Um, and so there are those differences, but I think, I think that's, you know, the fact that this movie could spur, you know, a choice of love rather than a choice of hate initially, I think is so important, especially for the story of the Skywalkers. And it's such a good message too, that like, no, life is not like the movies and you don't always get your happy ending. And that can be tragic and heartbreaking, but to have reached out in love as opposed to hate is always the way to go. Um, even as, as, as hard as life can be and as much as we don't often get the happy endings that we want. Um, that's, you know, that's so much more important. I, I think that this can also be challenging in our daily lives now. I mean, when we are faced with people online that are just, if it feels like all they know how to do is spew hate and like treat people horribly. And it's like, how can we, quote-unquote love them in a situation where we try to find their redemption and not just spew hate back to them because if we all we do is spew hate back to them it just kind of creates a violent cycle that in the end most likely will change us to become more like them instead of changing them to become more like us do you know what I mean yeah no I think that's such a good comparison to make because um and, and it's, it's funny how, not funny, but it's interesting how it goes back to, as you're saying, talking about that, I was thinking about how on the internet, it's so easy to not imagine, 
these people as real people and that they're just trolls or that's how they imagine um that's how they imagine people like me when they send hateful messages my way or, you know, whatever the situation is, it's hard to remember that we're all real people behind the computer screen. But Luke was able to see that with Vader when Vader literally was more machine than man. Um, right. And uh, he was able to see past that and remember that a real person was there and had a beating heart inside of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just like Rose says, you know, practice saving what you love, um, not fighting what you hate, or that's not the exact quote, but do you know what I mean? I do. I absolutely agree. Do you think that the sacrifice and the efforts that go into that are worth it? it? Worth? Is it a noble task to pursue that, or are you just wasting time? No, no, I definitely don't think you're wasting time. Um, I mean... If Vader hadn't been redeemed in the original trilogy and it's like 1977 or 1983 run after knowing that he was Luke's father, I don't know. It would have been, I suppose they could have gone that route. You know, they very easily could have done that. Um, and I think it would have, it would have like forced us into a whole new place in the sequel trilogy if that had never happened, I think. And then it's kind of like, what would the point of the prequel trilogy have been um, if it's about Anakin's downfall and, and the prequel trilogy in a lot of ways, like builds up the, our compassion and our um, understanding for Anakin. Mm-hmm. And it makes us buy into why Luke would want to redeem Anakin because we know who he is as an audience. And we know that there were a lot of forces um, kind of pressure, pressuring in on Anakin, including his own choices, of course. Um, but I think it's, I mean, to have not tried, that's just, that's so hopeless. And there, if that, I don't know, that's just really kind of depressing that um, you wouldn't try to reach out to someone. And we see that so often in our world today that it's just easier to turn a blind eye to a lot of things that are going on or just ignore it. And um, when you reach out, when you try, then you know that you put forth the effort. And I don't know, I just, I think that would be, it would send such a different message if Luke didn't try to to love his father. I think it's understandable at some point to, to say that, um, like, I have enough stuff to worry about and, like, my life is complicated enough where I don't always have the capacity to love everyone on that level. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I, I do think the more lives you can touch on a somewhat intimate level of, of substance, uh, the better our world can be. And we can make the world we want it to be if we just kind of reflect that love. Yeah, definitely. And I hope this isn't too personal of a question, but I mean, if you, if, if Luke hadn't been the character he was in the original trilogy, do you think you would have had any kind of relationship with your father in your teenage years or like I, I do, don't I do because yeah my faith is also pretty yeah. important to me like a big part of that big part of my life and yeah. like I believe vehemently that we forgive because we are forgiven um mm-hmm. and the way that we love others is basically a testimony to our faith and 
if we're not treating people the way that um, basically God would treat them, then we're not giving a very good testimony. So, like, I, I do try, I, I did, I, like, loving my dad was basically, and pursuing my dad in, in high school and junior high was a twofold thing. It was something, like, rooted in my faith and then also something that Luke did in Star Wars. And I thought that it was kind of meaning, meaningful and it gave me hope that maybe um, he would change. Mm-hmm. But when he like brags about cheating on his wife in front of your fiance, it just kind of leads it down a, a bad path. <laughs> so like, yeah, yeah, it, it it just my efforts weren't as fruitful as I had hoped. Yeah, but you you probably would have regretted if you hadn't put those efforts in. Definitely, and I had yeah. a deeper relationship than either of my sisters did, obviously because they had. Um, he never pursued them and they never mm -hmm. pursued him. And so basically yeah. he wasn't a part of their lives at all. Mm -hmm. How close do you think Luke was to falling to the dark side in return of the Jedi in his fight with Vader after Vader kind of threatens to turn Leia? I think he was pretty close. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think he was pretty close, but that that's the difference between Luke and Anakin, you know, Anakin, um, it was like once Anakin started off that ledge, he couldn't climb back up. Um, he just kept falling um, into the dark side, whereas Luke was able to have the foresight to stop himself. Because like Luke and Anakin were in very similar situations. Um, you know, Anakin was being pressured by his love for Padme and Luke was being pressured by his love for Leia. Mm -hmm. um, but Anakin couldn't like stop himself and uh, couldn't see a different way. And that was his downfall. That was part of his mistake. Whereas Luke could. And Luke knew that this wasn't the way. Um, and that's the difference between them. And it's where father is not like son. Yeah. Which I think is really cool. It's kind of cool that when he chops off Vader's hand and he looks at his robotic, he kind of looks at his own hand and realizes basically the meaning of his um, test in the cave that if he's not careful, he can become Darth Vader um, be, due to the fear, as you said, the fear of Leia um, falling or whatever. And he he just has a moment where he sees his father's hand cut off and he looks at his own hand and he's, I think that that's kind of the moment that he decides this is not something I want in my life. Like, I don't, I'm not destined to be my father i can be a different mm -hmm. person and i can be the jedi i want to be which is empowering for a person it, yeah yeah it's obviously one of the best moments yeah it's it's a fantastic moment i mean return of the jedi is my favorite star wars movie and that whole i mean everything going on in their heads in that scene between Vader and Luke is incredible. And I love that moment that you just mentioned where he looks at their hands and he realizes that he has a robotic hand and so does his father. And like, if he chopped off his hand in this moment, it would look the same as Vader's yeah. and that, you know, there's more to him. Like, like he is his father's son, but he isn't. And in that way, and you know, if he can refute the dark side, then so can Anakin, like so can Vader. 
and there's still hope there. And I think that's so great that he like calls back to the Jedi who Anakin was um, before he became Darth Vader in that moment. And like, that's the part of, of Vader of his father that he's claiming. It's so kind of cool that when he defies the emperor um, and he says, never, I'll never turn to the dark side. You failed, Your Highness. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. So be it, Jedi. He's still claiming the goodness of his father, even though that he's basically Darth Vader and he doesn't really pursue that at this time. He just is claiming mm-hmm. what his father used to be or what his father could be again if he chose to be. Yeah, who his father was and, and who he can be. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a really great moment. And it's showing, too, that like people change mm-hmm. and people can make a new choice. Um, and obviously, if anyone knows me, they know that, I like, for me, I'm a big Kylo Ren redemptionist person. So, like, that plays a really big part in how I view the character of Kylo Ren. So, like, this moment in Return of the Jedi is incredibly important. Cool. Well, speaking of Ren, uh, let's transition into the sequel trilogy. How, how do you think Luke failed Ben? I think that with Kylo Ren and Ben Solo, everything is extremely layered and complicated. And with Luke in particular, Luke, I think, got lost in the past of what happened to Vader. And I think he became scared by that potential and in a way like almost overcorrected that's like a really simple way of saying what happened with with Ben at the temple but he like overcorrected and I think Ray says it perfectly you know Luke's mistake was in thinking that Kylo's choice was made and it wasn't but Luke was too fearful of the potential of Kylo Ren's future that he didn't see that And like Luke says, too, you know, he missed the scared boy in front of him and he was left with shame and consequence. Absolutely. Um, And it's what Yoda says, too. You know, like you're always looking towards the horizon, not at the present. And all Luke could see was this potential for the dark side in the future of Kylo Ren that he missed his nephew sleeping in front of him. Yeah. Do you have any big fears in life? Um. Yeah, I, I mean, you don't have to answer this at all, but yeah. no, no, I, I think fear of failure is a big one of mine and uh, like fear of not fulfilling my potential, which is very much Luke Skywalker like that to me. That's like very much Luke Skywalker in A New Hope is like what's his potential and and him racing off to fulfill his potential. And in my mind, he does. And that's why I really love that character. And so for me, it's like not fulfilling my potential would be really scary. And um, yeah, I think that's my biggest, that's probably my biggest fear, honestly, or, you know, of course, like losing loved ones and my family and that kind of thing. But as far as like personal fears, definitely feel fear of failure. Yeah. Like growing up with my dad, that was um, not the best. I always wanted to be the dad that I never had. Um, mm-hmm. And 
that entails a lot of things. Uh, and I try to do that now every day because I'm blessed to have a daughter. Uh, she's three and I love her so incredibly much. Um, but like, I think the things that I fear about being a father is keeping her safe. Um, because I know how terrible the world is out there and how many ways she can be hurt without me knowing. Um, like, I think I have fears of that. Yeah. But, like, also giving her the things that she needs to become an adult that's, like, well-balanced and um, just a great person. Uh, and mm -hmm. I, I try to just instill the, the qualities and values that I, that I have. So, But at the same time, giving her options to make choices in life and teaching her that her choices are going to impact what her life becomes. Um, so like, yeah, yeah. Being yeah, a dad that... is pretty cool. <laughs> it was funny when you were saying how, um, you know, that there are so many things out in the world that could, you know, harm her like physically or emotionally. Um, it, it always, that reminded me of my parents when my, for my parents, the worst thing in the world is me driving at night. That's like, they're always very paranoid about that. They hate me driving at night. And I always say, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm a pretty good driver. And they always say, it's not you I'm worried about. It's everyone else. Yeah. Very um, true. And that just reminded me from when you were talking about that. So, uh, <laughs> What do you think Luke's biggest uh, flaw is? I think his flaw is definitely, um, it's what Yoda says, which is funny because I know you and I have very different opinions on Yoda. Um, but <laughs> Yoda Yoda in uh, Yoda in the Last Jedi is probably my favorite Yoda that we've ever had, and and like really gives me a, a new perspective on Yoda. But um, you know, he's always looking towards the horizon, and he um, he got I don't know he he got derailed um, with everything that happened with Ben, and I think it's so telling how he talks about those things um, that happen, like when he's telling, when he tells Ray the first time, you know, kind of the, the, the lie by omission right. about what happened with Ben. And he, you know, he says that it was a Jedi master who um, trained and created Darth Vader. And he's talking about Obi-Wan in that moment, which is crazy. Cause I don't think any of us would say that Obi-Wan created Darth Vader, you know, but to Luke, that's what happened because Luke feels like he helped create Kylo Ren and that's what Ray says to him later when she finds out the truth. She says, did you create Kylo Ren? And there it's, it's a parallel for a reason mm -hmm. um, because Luke, that's what Luke, like Luke feels that he has failed not only his family and his sister and his brother-in-law and his nephew, but the galaxy at large and like what a weight to have on your shoulders. Um, but he never realized that, you know, Kylo wasn't completely lost there was still hope for him and Ray helps bring that hope back to him. I think Luke lost his balance facing his own guilt, specifically the, mm -hmm. the moment of uh, consideration that he gave to killing Ben. It probably felt like that was the only thing that defined him at the point um, of creating Kylo Ren and what kind of teacher would fail his student in that way. Because we get so short-sighted in looking at our flaws instead of looking at all the other things that we do in life. I know it's easy for me to focus on like the one mistake I have at work versus all the 
options that I like have done correctly and solved problems. And instead of focusing on that, it's just feeling bad about the one mistake that we make. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And and I think that was, that's kind of the trap that I think a lot of people who were really upset about Luke's development in the last Jedi, they're doing kind of the same thing. It's like, just because Luke made a mistake in the last Jedi doesn't erase the good that he did prior to that. It's just another piece of who he is and another piece of his story. And, you know, you don't stop learning things when the end credits roll. You know what I mean? Like the story goes on. So he has more things to learn. It's not like he hit the age of 30 and learned everything he needed to learn and made no more mistakes. Um, that's not real life. And, uh, this is, this was a big mistake. Um, but you know, it's Star Wars and it's operatic. And so the stakes and the consequences are higher in this world than they are in our own. Do you think Luke's understanding of the force has grown beyond Obi-Wan and Yoda in the sequel trilogy? Um, I don't know. Uh, part of me says yes, maybe at the end, but then part of me says no. I don't know. I think that's really complicated. I think it goes back to like, you know, how he planned on setting up the Jedi Order, because we know from the last Jedi novelization that Luke initially wasn't planning on restarting the Jedi Order, but it was only once things kind of got more complicated with Ben that he was like, okay, well, maybe if we have this place of training, we can train him up in the light side of the Force. And that's when he started this temple, but, and he like took these other kids or young adults, like who knows where these kids came from. Mm-hmm. Um, if they were already with Luke doing some other kind of thing, like who knows the Knights of Ren, um, <laughs> and, and, and assorted others. Um, so him not restarting the Jedi order, I'm like, oh yeah, like he gets it because the Jedi order were very flawed at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Like that was, that's the whole shit of the prequels. Um, but then he restarts them again, but then he, you know, like surpasses everything that we've seen Yoda and Obi-Wan do. We don't know that they couldn't do that. We just never saw them do it. So I don't know. What do you think? Well, we saw Yoda do everything and more than Luke does. Um, at least in Rebels, like Yoda is force projected before as well. That's Um, true. I forgot about that. You're right. That's okay. Um, I I actually do think that Luke surpassed Obi-Wan and Yoda a little bit because he was actually able to see the hubris and the, the vanity or the arrogance of the Jedi in the Jedi Order. In his instructions to Rey about the the relationship of the Jedi and the Force, he says, Breathe. Just breathe. Reach out with your feelings. What do you see? The island. Life. Death and decay that feeds new life. Warmth. Cold. Peace. Violence. 
in between it all. Balance and energy. A force. And inside you. Inside me. That same force. And this is the lesson. That force does not belong to the Jedi. To say that if the Jedi die, the light dies is vanity. Can you feel that? Um, mm-hmm. Great line. Is meaning that the Jedi aren't the light side of the Force. The light side of the Force is bigger than just the Jedi. Um, the Jedi is just one religion that taps into the Force. The Force is something that's in all living things. So I think that he has a better perspective of the relationship of the Force and people. And he was also able to see the mistakes that the Jedi Order made with Anakin in, in allowing Sidious to turn him and allowing Sidious to come to power. Like, I think mm-hmm. he has some perspective that the Jedi Order never did um, in the prequel trilogies. Yeah, I definitely think you're right there, that he definitely has a very different perspective that, like, only history can really provide. Um, but... You know, he also hesitated before burning what he thought were the last Jedi, the sacred Jedi text. And it was Yoda who ended up actually pulling pulling the, the quote-unquote trigger, even though he knew that Rey had them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I tend to think that Luke is the most powerful Jedi. That's always been my bias towards these stories because he is my favorite character. Um, and I, I always tend to... Well, I think that Anakin is the chosen one. I always kind of toy with that idea of Luke as the actual chosen one because mm-hmm. he's actually the one that brought Vader back in order to bring balance to the Force. And I really like how Luke is kind of bookended between Kylo and Anakin um, as this like fulcrum between the two of them that are kind of like Luke has darkness within him and great power, um, but he's like more light side. Um He's more definitively light side than Anakin and Kylo. And so they're all the Skywalkers are kind of this seesaw of like light and dark and their impact on the galaxy. And you kind of have Luke in the middle um, and he's trying to hold it together and succeeding in some areas and not succeeding as well in others. Yeah, he definitely has um, more success in, in some areas, particularly in loving um, Darth Vader and trying to bring him back to the light side than uh, Obi-Wan and Yoda did. He had the faith that there was still good in, in Anakin to to basically try to turn him back to the light side. There's kind of a phrase of being an instrument of the Force that I mm-hmm. am appreciating recently, particularly when you look at things that Qui-Gon says about the living Force um, and being in tune with what the living force is telling you, like having a passive willingness to be an instrument of the living force is kind of where I see the sweet spot for the Jedi. Um, Mm -hmm. And I kind of hope that that's a direction that they take Ray in the future. But I mean, that's kind of just, that's for another day. Yeah. (laughs) Um, have you have you read the Last Jedi novelization? I haven't read anything. Uh, okay. 
It's no, that's fine. Um, they do this really interesting um, talk about the cosmic force and how there's the living force and the cosmic force. And the living force is just what you're saying. It's like the 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 space between all living things, and the cosmic force is kind of above it all, like orchestrating things and. Um, it kind of implies that the cosmic force is what's like selecting the Skywalkers as this like conduit of their will. Um, and that Ray is also an instrument of the cosmic force as well. And that like, it's kind of elevating the Skywalkers and Ray to this like other status. That's like a little bit above the living force. So I think it's really interesting. Um, and like, is Yoda a part of that? Is Yoda is he like on that same level or is he like just a really powerful force user like with the living force? Um, I think they also talk about the cosmic force in the Yoda series, the Yoda arc in season six of Clone Wars, if I'm not mistaken. A whole lot. But uh, it's, it's really interesting, like the cosmic versus living force. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just to kind of give you an, a reason why I love Yoda I know I kind of harp on him a little bit. Um, he's kind of the quintessential mentor that I see in Star Wars. Particularly, I love the fact that he goes against the grain of expectations. Mm-hmm. Like Luke goes into the Empire Strikes Back and he, he's trying to find a great warrior, uh, a war hero, the, someone that trained Obi-Wan Um and so he's looking for someone of big stature and intimidating presence, basically. But he finds this shriveled old man um, alone on a planet. And so he thinks nothing of him. But what he doesn't know is the relationship Yoda has with the Force. And Yoda basically opens Luke's eyes of what's the possibility with the force as his ally and he just has a lot of great teachings um i don't know if i think you've watched the forces of destiny episodes is that correct Mm -hmm. yes like his episode with ahsoka is like it was basically one of my favorite moments of yoda up until we got the last jedi because the last jedi just took yoda to a whole new level particularly about being a, what it means to be a mentor. Mm-hmm. But when he's talking to Ahsoka, he basically tells her what makes you unique makes you strong and yourself you must always be. And I think what he means by that is she's trying to use certain techniques that she's been taught instead of doing what feels right. And by doing what feels right, she's going to have a unique fighting stance and a unique rhythm which would throw other opponents off because it's not something that they can prepare for yeah um but it also gets into things like the 99 arc in the clone wars uh, where basically 99 was was deformed in some ways and so he was given remedial duties as a janitor instead of a mission and a duty as a clone I think that people aren't appreciated for what they are. And if we appreciate people for being themselves, then we all win because I think we all just want to be appreciated. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
Yeah, yeah. And I think... I um, really don't mean to preach. I'm so sorry. No, no, don't be sorry. <laughs> I think it's nice to hear other people's like opinions about characters that I don't particularly enjoy as much because it's like nice to see the things that you pick out about him are like way more positive than like the things that I tend to fixate on. Um, and I think that that's like so due to the way that I watch Star Wars, like watching it one through six, you know, seeing all of the mistakes that the Jedi Order were making and, you know, Yoda is the quote unquote head of it. Mm -hmm. And then none of it's acknowledged in the original trilogy. And I'm like, you should say sorry, Yoda, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, or like it, I remember it always used to bother me that like Yoda says, you know, um, clouded the dark side is. And I'm like, you know, you're you're a really powerful force user, Yoda. You should have a little bit better idea of what's going on here. Um, and it always used to bother me. But um, as I've gotten older and like kind of rewatch these films through new eyes, like number one, that's like part of the tragedy of the prequel trilogy is that like the dark side of the force is so powerful that it's clouding even Yoda's vision and Yoda is like distraught about what to do. But I like that you like pick up more on these um, like sayings and like teachings that he's giving out because those at the end of the day are like what Yoda should be known for, <laughs> not like my petty grievances. <laughs> well, I think I give Yoda a lot of grace because I think that even as a leader, we still have flaws. Mm -hmm. I mean, Yoda is very harsh on Anakin and Luke, particularly when Yoda says, I sense much fear in you when Anakin um, is talking about fear is the path to the dark side. And then when Yoda lifts the X-Wing out of the swamp in Dagobah, and he puts it on the ground, Luke looks at it and he's like, I don't, I, I don't believe it. And Yoda straight up says, that is why you fail. Like, mm -hmm. he doesn't sugarcoat these things at all. Like, he's a, he's a bit harsh when it comes to dealing with younger people. But at the same time, he has a lot of great teachings that I kind of inspire to, um, and I want to reflect. Like, the, the teaching with Ahsoka, I, I adore because I want people to just be themselves because I grew up so much in my life um, trying to not be myself. And all that did was lead me into misery because I didn't want to be in my family. I wanted to be a part of another family. And if you've ever felt that way, it, it's just not constructive to having a good self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. No, I, I, I can definitely relate to that. And I think we all, I remember my mom used to tell me, I was always really upset that my mom, um, my mom was a working mom and I hated that she was never home when I was home, like mm -hmm. from school and all my friends were, their moms were all stay at home moms. And I used to cry so much about it. And she would tell me, you know, like, just because they have stay at home moms doesn't mean their life is perfect. You know, the grass is not always greener on the other side. And I just like that always like resonated with me now that like now knowing more about like other families and my friends home lives and things like that. It's like, no, everyone has their own struggles and everyone has a time in their life when they wish they were someone else. Um, and that isn't constructive and that doesn't help your self-esteem. And if we all just accepted each other for who we are and appreciated one another, we would all just be much better off in the long run. hundred percent. Like, People think that 
they're the only ones with problems, but what they don't know is most of the other people out there have very similar, if not more problems than what you do. Um, but mm-hmm. that feeling of um, isolated and alone is kind of what keeps people away from community. But when you're in the community and feel accepted, it, it, it kind of is life giving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> okay. Um, what does Yoda's teaching in The Last Jedi unlock for Luke, do you think? I think it's kind of like the last piece he needs to like get off the island. Not really, but um, like realize that he needs to be in the moment and like it's a call to action, really. And I think Ray already started that process for him mm-hmm. and Yoda was there to kind of cap it off. <laughs> um, I think too, it's a little fan servicey, but again, that's just <laughs> me. Um, I, I was totally in the camp of like, give me that Hayden Christensen for force ghost, which also would have been really fan servicey. So, you know, I think any force ghost is a bit fan servicey at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, I think it was, and, and this is something too from the Last Jedi novelization that really stood out to me is that when Yoda is talking to Luke about the things that happened, um, Jason Fry puts in that Yoda said these things regretfully, that Yoda like regretted the the actions and the events that had led them to this moment on Octo. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I read that, I was like, that's what I needed from Yoda is for him to have a little regret about how everything came to pass. Um, but I think it was like Yoda, Yoda having an understanding for like the history of everything that had come before. And now like Luke realizing that this doesn't have to be how it ends. Um, a new choice can be made and he's going to go and do what he can to make that happen. Um, even if that means he can't actually do anything in the end, that all he can do is say, I'm sorry. Yeah. And I think we'll see the repercussions of that in episode nine. I th- I, th- I think Yoda feels the burden of a, a teacher and a master that Luke's mistakes are basically Yoda's mistakes. Um, yeah, just like Luke feels bad about Kylo and, and Obi-Wan felt bad about Anakin. And I think that that's... That's a heavy burden to have when you kind of take someone under your wing and you invest so much time and um, effort into them. Um, But at the same time, it's very rewarding when they are fruitful and they grow beyond what you had initially been able to do. And that's what I think he means when he says we are what they grow beyond. And Mm -hmm. it basically gives Luke his last lesson of how to be a great mentor to Ray and, um, I, I do think that teaching Padawans or teaching kids or teaching anybody how to deal with failure is one of the best lessons because would allow them to be self-taught and not be dependent upon a, a mentor or a, a teacher specifically to teach them a lesson. If If you can learn from your own mistakes or if you can learn better yet from others' mistakes, you can avoid all those things and you can grow far beyond what any one master could teach you because you have more capability. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And, and, and yeah, like what you said, it's important for us to be able to grow from our own mistakes and to not be paralyzed by them because we're going to make mistakes at the end of the day. Amen. You're going to, we're going to, we're, we're going to have failures too, big failures and small failures. But if you let it stop you, if you let it paralyze you and like trap you in fear, like Anakin and like Luke and like Kylo, then you're going to be stuck. And all three of them were stuck. And, uh, Anakin and Luke both were moved, um, and, and like got out of that. And I think we'll see the pattern repeated, but, um, I think Yoda and Ray were both an essential part of that for Luke's journey in the last Jedi. Yeah. What do you think Luke's goal was in projecting the crate? I know some people don't agree with this, but I think first and foremost, it was to confront Kylo. Second, to see Leia, but a very close second, basically number one, um, to see his family. And then number two was in providing like a stalling for the resistance to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he, I think he knew that this was his last, that if he did this, this is going to be the end. Mm-hmm. And for him to use his final moments to solely help the resistance get out doesn't seem very Luke-like when Luke literally risked it all to go and confront Vader and return the Jedi. So for him, it's only worth it if he can confront Kylo and see Leia. And I think that's first and foremost on his mind. And he apologizes to Kylo. Mm-hmm. And he tells Leia, like, I have to confront him, but I can't save him. And that's a very important line, I think, because he says, I cannot save him. But at the same time, he says, no one is ever truly lost. And so I think he has a deep belief that someone else can save Kylo Ren, specifically Ray. And so I I think that he goes to create knowing that his purpose isn't just to redeem Kylo Ren, but it's to be a distraction and to um, buy time for the rebellion to escape. But at the same time, he does use that time to kind of give Ben some closure on his mistake. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I don't, I mean, Luke does say that no one's ever truly gone. And of course, I think that Rey is a big part of Kylo's redemption, but I think her like big part in that story is kind of over now because I think episode nine, it's like Kylo has to make that choice for himself. It can't be him doing it for someone else, for Leia, for Luke or for Ray. It has to be for himself. Um, and I think that's what will make it most meaningful. And I think too, that it was like Luke knew that Kylo, like you said, Kylo needed this closure. Kylo needed to like yell at Luke for what happened because from my point of view, anyway, it's like Kylo Kylo feels trapped in this life. And in the novelization, too, like Kylo, uh, Snoke and Luke both talk about how Kylo Ren is just a shell around Ben Solo. They both use, like, very similar language. Like, it's a shell. It's not his real name. It's not his true self. Um, it's just a facade. And so that Kylo Ren is not really a real person. It's just a, a shell that he puts on. And so... Kylo needed to be able to have that moment, you know, when he yells at Luke, you know, have you come to save my soul? Yeah. And from Kylo's perspective, it's like, have you come to save my soul? Like you did this to me, like you damned my soul to this on that moment at the training temple. 
And all Luke can say is like, I know, and I'm sorry, mm-hmm. um, but I can't save you because you have to, you have to save yourself. Like I can reach for you in love and show you love and Ray can and Leia can and your father can, but until you reach back or like pull yourself up, it's not going to be genuine and it's not going to be lasting. Like you have to own your own actions basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. And I think that's what we'll see in episode nine. I and I, like... I think that Luke will come back too. So obviously he's been listed in the cast, so he's coming back somehow. Yeah. I would like to see Kylo Ren achieve Plagueis' ability to save the one he loves from dying. Um, as a callback to the prequel trilogy, um, and just kind of a completion of what Anakin started in Revenge of the Sith. Like, there was that line, I will finish what you started with mm-hmm. the force awakens do you remember that yeah yeah definitely like i think it would be kind of cool and create closure to the whole saga if kylo ren is able to save the one he loves from dying particularly if he's able to do that through love because i personally think that a lot of the force is about love the jedi mm-hmm. see it as loving others and the sith see it as loving themselves um which is where they get their power from the selfishness versus selflessness. Oh yeah, definitely. I really love that theory. I think it would be amazing if it came true. And and even like in Revenge of the Sith, Anakin tells Padme, you know, love won't save you, Padme. So then to have that book ended with, you know, if it is Kylo and Rey, then it love did save them. Yeah. Um, and love saved Kylo. And, you know, if he's the one that's saving Ray in that instance, and like love saved Ray too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's cool because when Anakin says that in Revenge of the Sith, it's wrong. Yeah. Um, that's not like the path that Anakin chose to try and save Padme was wrong. Um, love would have saved her because even though a lot of people think it's cheesy, like according to the movie, she died of a broken heart. And that was like a piece of it. Um, she lost the will to live, Mm -hmm. but if Anakin had been there, if like she had felt that love, then maybe things would have gone differently. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It is. It is. Star Wars is great. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think the legacy of Luke Skywalker will be? I think it will be, it'll be different. Um, for the galaxy, I think it's what we see at the end of the last Jedi, with that little kid playing with the Luke Skywalker figure. And it's like his name has been restored to mythic heights um, because that's, that's what happens with stories and with history. These things just get, they get condensed down to these like bullet points and these highlights. Um, but I think for his family, his legacy will be very different. Um, and they'll know more of the shades of gray and like the trials and tribulations that, um, like led him throughout his life and how he, in the end rose above all of them and was able to make the right choice in the end, in all scenarios, in all situations. I hope that they remember him as a person of great faith, um, and his love of yeah, his family. Me too. Yeah. Because I think that the risks that he took to save Vader were inspiring and impactful, particularly when most people would not see Vader and see that that's someone worth redeeming. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I completely agree. I love I love that he has passed on to Ray a different understanding of the Force and the relationship to the Force, uh, and I'm excited to see where she takes that. So. I know, I know. It's going to be, episode nine is going to be a crazy ride. <laughs> um, can we go over the poll questions that I asked on Twitter, unless you have some more to add? Yeah, no, absolutely. Let's look at the polls. Okay. Um, the first question I put, what was the more impressive victory? Death Star 1, his fight with the Wampa, the Rancor, or the Pit of Carcoon? The winner of the poll was the Death Star 1 with 62%. Which would you have voted for with that? I mean, Death Star 1 was classic, but like I said before, Return of the Jedi is my favorite. So the Rancor pit, I just, I love that whole sequence. I might have been tempted to vote for Rancor, but I think it's Death Star 1. Really? Okay. Yeah. I put, my vote was for the pit of Carcoon. Really? Like, yeah, going into Jabba's palace without any arms um, is pretty ballsy, I think. I That's mean, true, he, without his lightsaber, too. He knows that R2 has the lightsaber, but to trust R2 to project the lightsaber at the exact right time and <laughs> to yeah. get out of the situation with the Sarlacc pit, I, I think is is pretty gutsy and it's not like it's just one person that he's attacking. It's a whole ship by himself. Mm-hmm. So this is true. I think that that was pretty interesting. And I think that death star one was kind of something that he's already done a little bit with bullseyeing womp rats or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's impressive as well because it does blow up the death star. Yeah. It's like it started at all, you know, it's classic. Yeah. Um, the next poll I put was, what is your favorite end credit scene? And the options I gave were A New Hope, The Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, and I took a little liberty and said The Last Jedi. He's not exactly in the last credit scene, but he kind of is. Um, and the winner of that poll was Return of the Jedi with the happy ending. Which of those is Yeah. Oh, God. I love them all. Honestly, um, the last Jedi one is just so bittersweet because I just I love how he's got the twin sons on Octo and on Crate, and you just know it's like such a good parallel for everything that happened that came before mm-hmm. and leading all the way back to that first binary sunset that we see him standing in front of as an audience member, like knowing all the pieces in between. I think that's such a great moment. But Return of the Jedi, like I gotta go with Return of the Jedi. It's such it's. It's just so happy <laughs> before, before you know, it all goes to hell in a handbasket again. <laughs> yeah. The other thing about The Last Jedi that's really special with Luke, you mentioned that, that he does become the legendary status where kids are basically inspired by his courage to face the First Order by himself um, against the ATM-6 walkers. Mm-hmm. And they speak a different language, but they still know the name of Luke Skywalker and his feats of courage. Yeah. So like broom boy and his friends are all like inspired by Luke Skywalker. Yes. (laughs) And then the last question is, um, what is the most 
character defining moment of Luke Skywalker. And I really tried to think of this hard because it's really hard to narrow this down to four options. The ones I gave were the binary sunset, which is so epic and memorable. Vader saying, no, I am your father. Uh, Luke's defiance of the emperor saying, you failed your highness. No, I am a Jedi like my father before me. And then um, the last option I gave was um, Luke's moment of uh, instinct with Ben Solo. And when he's left with shame and consequence. And the winner of that poll was, I am a Jedi like my father before me. With 88% of the vote, that was a runaway winner. <laughs> I I love them all. I think I'd have to go with Binary Sunset, honestly, because it's just, it's my moment and it's Luke's moment. Um, and it is bookended in The Last Jedi, which I really love. But I think they're all such, like, they're all character-defining moments, but... From a personal standpoint, I got to go with Binary Sunset. Yeah, you can't really argue that one. I mean, it it's kind of the essence of Luke. Mm-hmm. The I am the Jedi like my father before me is just such a powerful moment of owning his choice, though. Yeah, uh, this is a hard one. <laughs> okay, yeah. I did want to talk about the, um, the Ben moment. I put that on there just as a reminder that we're not defined by our, our mistakes. Um, it would be so tragic if all you thought of, of Luke Skywalker was his moment considering killing Ben Solo. Don't think that that's what you should think of when you think of Luke Skywalker. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. It shouldn't be. We are, we are more than, the pieces of our lives they, they like they all come together to create who we are mm-hmm. and this is just a piece of his life and it was definitely a mistake and definitely a dark point but it's just one point in, in like the spectrum of his life yeah very cool caitlin it's been such a pleasure to talk with you about luke skywalker i really want to thank you for taking time and sharing your insight where can people find you online yeah, well, again, thank you so much for having me on. Um, Luke is my number one guy in Star Wars, so this is really fun to dig a little deeper into him. Uh, so thanks for having me on. Um, but you can find me on Twitter at Caitlin Plusher. Um, and then my podcast is Sky Talkers Podcast with my co-host, Charlotte. And our Twitter there is at Sky Talkers Pod. Sky Talkers is absolutely one of my favorite Star Wars podcasts, and I listen to it thank all the you. time. I love <laughs> You're very original topics, and I, I sincerely appreciate that. You have um, unique opinions, and you share them with us, and it, it's just great. So I enjoy your podcast a lot. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, now it's time to hear from you, the audience. You can email us your thoughts on Luke Skywalker at moonjockeyspodcast at gmail.com. You can follow the podcast at moonjockeyspod. You can follow me at Balls in Play. Thank you for listening, and until next time, may that force be with you. Always.
Mustafa and Chewie.